Chocolates, would I know to stay away? What's said If Pandora's box, the box of chocolates, would I eat them anyway? Cause every time I have half a mind to leave you, babe, that means I have half a mind to stay. It's Pandora's Lunchbox and WCBN. Good evening, this is Mike. Pandora's Lunchbox is a show about food and about spring. And coming up now, it's the American Radio Warblers, the original feathered stars of the air. When spring begins, I always lose a few brain cells, and I'd like to welcome you to share that loss with me. We can celebrate the loss of brain cells and winter together and the coming of spring. Did I say this was a show about food? Oh, yeah, okay. So this is a show about food. We have some information on food, information about food and bananas and Winnie the Pooh and stuff like that. Winnie the Pooh as Winnie the Menace. I'll explain in just a moment, but first here's uh, Louis Prima. Once upon a time, there was a lovable bear named Winnie the Pooh. That's him. That's Winnie. Yeah, he's my buddy. And I never go any place without him. Oh, Winnie the Pooh, Winnie the Pooh. Toppy little cubby all stuffed with fluff He's Winnie the Pooh, Winnie the Pooh Willy nearly silly old bear A donkey named Eeyore is his friend And Kanga and Little Roo There's Rabbit and Piglet and there's Owl But most of all Winnie the Pooh Come on, all you cats supposed to be friends of Winnie the Pooh. Let's join in with it. Come on, Kanga and Roots. Run. Let's go. Oh, Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh. 
Tubby little Tubby Oscar with Fluffy's Winnie the Pooh, Winnie the Pooh, Willie Billy Silly Bear. I didn't hear no Eeyore. I can't say. Roo, you ain't making it, man. You're a bad cat for a kangaroo. <laughs> Now come on, let's hear it. Follow me. Oh, Papa to deep boo boo. Oh, Papa to sweet boo boo. Hop to boo boo. Hop to boo 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 you. Hop a dab a doo boo 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 boo. Hop a dab a doo baby boo boo boo. Willie nearly silly old bear. La 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 la. La 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 la. Treedle doodle doodle tree. Treedle doodle treedle tree. Poo 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 poo. Ah, yes, that's Louis Prima, the king of Louis Primas, and that is Winnie the Pooh. That is from a collection called Walt Disney's Happiest Songs, and it is about as happy as can possibly be. Well, the reason I'm here to talk to you about Winnie the Pooh is because Winnie the Pooh caused a bomb scare. I know that doesn't surprise you any more than it surprises me in this in these tough times we're living in. But nonetheless, Winnie the Pooh, I think of it as Winnie the Menace. Here's the story. This is from Wright City, Missouri. A man who went to a Missouri post office to pick up a novelty phone he ordered over the Internet was alarmed that the package was ticking. It subsequently created a bomb scare. It turned out that the phone, shaped like Winnie the Pooh, had a feature the customer did not know about. An incoming call causes Winnie's head to spin, and the feature apparently had been activated during shipping. Apparently, Winnie the Pooh's head was banging against the side of the package, which I know we've all been frustrated, and if you're trapped in a package and your phone rings, there's not much you can do about it. The ticking that prompted evacuation of the Wright City Post Office last week was Winnie's head repeatedly hitting the side of the package, according to Missouri Highway Patrol spokeswoman Corporal Julie serene. I don't know if she was so serene after this, but police and members of the bomb squad were called when the man retrieving the package noticed the unexpected sound. It was pretty distinctly ticking, Police Chief Don Wickenhauser said, and he didn't want to pick it up. When authorities contacted the sender, he verified that it was nothing sinister. Serene said authorities were both amused and relieved when they opened the package. I guess the moral of the story is before you send electronics, take the batteries out, she said. And we're here about morals here. We're all about morals at WCBN. So learn from that. As I was looking that up, I also found out that Eeyore's birthday is coming up. This is very, very exciting news, in fact. And there will be a party to celebrate Eeyore's birthday in Austin, Texas, coming up actually this Saturday. And this is from the Austin 360. This is a website. About 1,000 volunteers contribute to Eeyore's birthday party. It's a rite of spring in Austin for the past 44 years. Why do they do it? The free t-shirt, of course. You can't buy these. You have to earn them. Longtime Eeyore's volunteer Les Carnes says of the special volunteer t-shirts, which change color every year. Wow. Every dollar spent by thousands of people who attend the celebration is redistributed to a variety of local charities. The Eeyore's nonprofit, officially called the Friends of Forest, raises money through the sales of beer, t-shirts, and temporary tattoos. Carnes, as an Eeyore's birthday organizer since 1979, is the most tenured Friends of Forest member. Everybody else who was even close died, he jokes. So this is Eeyore's birthday, celebrated this Saturday. And Eeyore's birthday, he says, is key to keeping Austin's unique vibe. It just might be the coolest place in Austin, he says. And if that's true, then it's the coolest place in the universe. That's right. If you're in Ann Arbor... 
We're pretty cool, but maybe not as cool as Eeyore. Well, I've got other food, vaguely food-oriented news, which is only slightly uh, confusing compared to what I've just been talking about. A lot of it to do with bananas. And if you're feeling bananas, this may be helpful to you. I've got a couple of snippets of songs about bananas right now, starting with a bit of a song by M.I.A. and then finishing with a bit of song by the Nelleries. And it goes like this.
Rafael Nellerys. You can say that again. That was the Nellerys, and that was a Japanese group, a duo that was had released an EP on They Might Be Giants Dial, or actually They Might Be Giants Hello Recording Club CD Club. I don't know if they released any other albums, but Banana was one of the songs, and that also featured the song Bubbly, which we'll have to play sometime because sometimes you're just bubbly, and there you go. Uh, before that, we heard a snippet by MIA. She's a woman who is English, born in Sri Lanka, and that little snippet was called Banana Skit, or Ba-na-na, if you prefer. So speaking of bananas, this is very important. There was a mural in London of Samuel Jackson and the other guy from Pulp Fiction that's coming, John Travolta, dressed as bananas shooting guns. Well, no, wait a second. I think there are two different versions of this. I have a picture of them dressed as bananas shooting guns and another where they're shooting guns instead of bananas. Well, you get the idea. So these murals were done by a fellow named Banksy, B-A-N-K-S-Y. And this fellow has been painting murals in various parts of London of different kinds. And you can actually go to the website for Banksy and read about that. I believe that is Banksy... Dot co dot uk if I remember correctly. Now, I don't think Banksy is a company, but nevertheless, B-A-N-K-S-Y. The thing is that this is from The Guardian. Art critics nationwide were up in arms over the revelation that yet another Banksy mural had been painted over. Those Philistines at London Transport, with their total lack of respect for good taste, had removed the offending article from a wall in East London. A spokesman claimed that the old street mural, like all graffiti, portrayed, quote, a general atmosphere of neglect and social decay, which in turn encourages crime. If you see a mural of Samuel Jackson and John Travolta pointing bananas at you as if they were guns, it pretty much makes you want to go out and steal bananas and point them at people like they were guns. So I can see their concern. That's not here in the article. So... Now this says, this fellow says, Now while this typically English sense of health, safety, and the letter of the law can be quite irritating, those who bemoan the loss of an iconic work of art are equally missing the point. He says, this is actually Josh Friedman Bertode. If Banksy had wanted his works to be exhibits in an art gallery, he'd have hung them. Well, in an art gallery. If he had intended this piece to last at all, he would have painted it on canvas and gained the permission of London Transport to display it. But he didn't, and not just because he presumably couldn't have afforded to do so at the time, but also because Banksy is, or at least was, a graffiti artist, and being painted over goes with the territory. Now it says here, By eradicating such murals from walls, London Transport are keeping to their side of the struggle and maintaining the social value of Banksy's street art. Not only do they prevent his work from stagnating through overfamiliarity, but they ensure that more Banksy's and works by others like him will continue to spring up to reclaim the social space that has not yet been won. Such works will not merely be aesthetically pleasing, but will be a part of the struggle which graffiti represents. There you go. So that is Banksy, B-A-N-K-S-Y, in London. And you can go to his website and also see some of his other work that includes uh, a graffiti image of a boy painting the word what. So it's a graffiti image of a boy painting graffiti. And he's looking at you in pink letters saying what. In other words, what are you looking at? There's also a grim reaper with a smiley face. And there's Queen Victoria being... <clears throat> pleasured, and there's a number of other things. as commentary on society and such. Banksy painted all of these things. They're all around London. And that's what's going on in the banana world. There's other banana news in just a moment. Hey, wait, here's something. This weekend, I talked about this last week, but the Totally Awesome Fest is going on in Ypsilanti. It had been scheduled at the the new Dreamland Theater, and we're going to have the, the head of the Dreamland Theater on the show soon to talk about the reopening of the Dreamland Theater, a place that has 
puppet shows and avant-garde and all kinds of other music on a regular basis. Uh, but the place is not quite ready yet for new shows, and so some of the shows in the Totally Awesome Fest have been transferred elsewhere. One of the places is called The Gold Cat on the corner of Michigan Avenue and Prospect in Ypsilanti, and another is called, wait for it, The Banana Tina. The Banana Tina, which is at 607 North River Street in Ypsilanti. There are going to be shows Friday, Saturday, and Sunday this week. People like Lord of the Yum Yum, which is a food reference. The Liquid Music Ensemble. Well, liquids can be food, so you know. And other people who don't necessarily have food connections, such as Safety Kit, Emily Jane Powers, Carrie Morris doing a shadow puppet show, Melting Moments, which do actually do songs about food, I hear, Patrick Elkins, and so many other people. You can read about it at we'retwins.com, which is the record label and website of the We're Twins record label. And we're going to hear more about bananas and such, and actually some Michigan food news in just a moment. But here's a tune that is accidentally about a banana, which we've all been at one time. This is Bent Fabric, one of the greatest names of all time, Bent Fabric. Actually, I believe he was from the Netherlands, and his name was Bent Fabricius Bier, but he shortened it to Bent fabric and this is alley cat slightly off center so sorry about that also known for chris elliott on the late night with david letterman show pretending to be you know the guy who talks like this the guy from the godfather i'm drawing like uh, marlon brando yeah saying banana walking around going banana and pointing to a bunch of bananas whenever he sang this song goes like this
Thank you, Bent. That is Bent Fabric, also known as original name Bent Fabricius Bier and Alley Cat, also known as Banana. Now, it's 10 minutes to 7, and Face the Music is coming up in 10 minutes, but I feel that at some point during the show I should talk about food in Michigan, because that's where we are, maybe even something of substance, but here we go. There are bills out now to a- that are designed to cut down on factory farm pollution. This is from the Associated Press and from the Muskegon Chronicle. Democrats this Wednesday have introduced bills in the state legislature to reduce pollution from large animal feeding farms. Environmentalists have been seeking ways to reduce hazards from so-called concentrated animal feeding operations, or CAFOs, for the past few years. Roughly 250 of Michigan's farms are considered to be CAFOs, an operation with a large concentrated number of cattle, pigs, sheep, turkeys, or chickens. The legislation would put a moratorium on the opening of new large feeding operations. The Department of Environmental Quality also could get more power over the farms, including permits and a more detailed evaluation of the current operations in the state. The DEQ would also be directed to report how close the farms are to drinking wells and other potentially sensitive areas. CAFOs in Michigan spread more than 4 billion pounds of untreated manure on farmer fields each year. And this is uh, animal, uh, you know feces and urine, sorry, laced with hundreds of toxic chemicals and potentially deadly pathogens because the state legislature made farms exempt from most environmental laws in the 1990s. Air emissions from CAFOs contain hundreds of chemicals, including potentially deadly toxins and compounds that contribute to global warming. Those emissions are not regulated because farms in Michigan are exempt from the state's air pollution laws. Wow. And manure runoff from CAFOs have polluted surface waters in dozens of Michigan counties. CAFO supporters claim that the large livestock operations are needed to maintain farm profits in an increasingly competitive marketplace, but critics contend that state regulations governing the CAFOs are too weak. The bills will draw opposition from the Michigan Farm Bureau and some Republicans. The Farm Bureau says the legislation unfairly paints all large operations as bad actors and disrespects ongoing efforts from the agriculture industry to protect the environment. So there it is. Democrats have introduced a bill to cut down on factory farm pollution, and you can keep up on that on the web as that comes along. And a little more banana news. We talked about bananas being censored in London one way or the other. It's uh, it's a conspiracy. But meanwhile, this is quite coincidental and perhaps frightening. In the U.K., a company called Magic Foods has withdrawn its banana lollies, which we would call lollipops here, but they're lollies in England. Magic Foods has withdrawn all batches of its banana flavor ice lolly due to, an, due, due to a labeling error, the London-based company has said. Milk, a known allergen, is not clearly listed as an ingredient. People with an allergy or intolerance to milk or lactose are advised not to eat these lollies. So there you go. Now, speaking also of graffiti and bananas, this is kind of disjunct information, but... If you can piece it all together, maybe I can too. The longest recorded piece of graffiti was painted by a student in the toilets of his college at Changsha, China in 1915. This is from Chinese Army Magazine, which I've been reading quite a lot lately. The graffiti consisted of over 4,000 characters criticizing his teachers and the state of Chinese society. After completing this masterpiece, the student handed himself in and was paraded in front of the school and threatened with expulsion. The student was a 22-year-old chairman, Mao Zedong, a graffiti artist who later founded the People's Republic of China. That's from Chinese Army Magazine, and now you know more about graffiti than perhaps you ever needed to know. But we're going to actually talk about coconuts in just a moment, but speaking of tropical fruits... 
This is a song called Pineapple Princess, originally done by Annette Funicello and done in this version by Midori Takadi of Japan. Yeah, that was music originally done by Annette Funicello. I don't know if she actually was the artist who composed that that opus, but she did record it originally, and this was done by Midori Takadai. Midori, I'm sorry, Mid, Midori Takadai. Pineapple Princess is the name of the song. And actually, I got this from a compilation put together by a host of the show, Radio Zilla, which is on WCBN every week. And you can look up WCBN. Dot org to find out about Radio Zilla and all the shows on this station. We're wrapping up now, and just a little bit of information you may need to know. Uh, there's been a new record for clipping, clopping coconuts together. This is very important. The cast and creators of Monty Python musical Spamalot gathered in Trafalgar Square in London to set a new record for the world's largest coconut orchestra. They led 5,567 people, clip-clopping in time to the Python classic Always Look on the Bright Side of Life for the Guinness Book of World Records attempt. Guinness officials were due to hand a certificate to the cast confirming the record after Monday's performance. The previous record of only 1,789 was set in New York last March. Craig Glenday, editor-in-chief of Guinness, who was at the event in central London on Monday evening, said they broke it by quite a sizable amount. The record attempt coincided with St. George's Day celebrations in the city of London. St. George and London. we got to talk about St. George sometime. He's a, he's a guy. He's a bloke. Well, it's been about a half an hour since I've been Mike. This has been Pandora's Lunchbox, a show about food. Thank you for listening. 
And coming up in a moment, it is Face the Music. And in the meantime, we're going to go with something that you might hear if you're drunk. This is Sun Ra and his orchestra with Pink Elephant Sun Parade, speaking of Winnie the Menace and all of those things that are in your head. Thank you. And this is WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. See you soon. This is the wonderful ruminative part, Pink Elephants by Sun Ra. Just perfect. It's 7 o'clock, about a minute after. And you've got Radio Free Ann Arbor with the voice of the underground intellectual resistance movement broadcasting from a, a fetid little basement far beneath the Student Activities Hotel in downtown Ann Arbor. Experimental radio from the U of M run by students with a lot of help from regular working people from the Ann Arbor community. Welcome to Face the Music, an hour of music about the human condition. I've brought down another core sample of noise and human nonsense, a small damp suitcase over there in the corner. It is damp because it is raining. While I was putting this show together tonight, I thought, well, maybe I can share some of these people up a little bit or at least dry them off. Perhaps you're familiar with the song Where 